Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarn, joined as always by the man who, for reasons I do not quite understand, had Steve Grogan as his number one pick in his fantasy draft. Nice. Da- thank you. Dan <laughs> Baker. DB! Gotta love those Boston Patriots. <laughs> Gotta love them. Good response, sir. Uh, we got a hell of a show this week because it is the day when our citadel of poisoned national masculinity, the National Football League, is underway. Yes! So happy. All the different ways... In which ideas about morality, about head injuries, about the moral compass of our nation are exposed as being utterly corrupt all happen with the aid of the National Football League. And you know what, though? It's a very exciting product. I mean, my goodness, there are certain drugs out there that are really bad for you, but... You just can't stop licking your fingers and joining us to lick the fingers of the National Football League this Quality week. Quality metaphor. Mean Mark Barry. How you doing, Mean Mark? I'm doing good. I, you look like you're feeling pretty good. You sure somebody didn't slip uh, Molly into that drink of yours there? Oh, sure? la di da di Yes. Mm. I, I, you're, of course, referring to the teenage raver who also doubles as a wide receiver uh. for the Denver Broncos. Talking about Wes Welker. We're going to talk about Wes mm-hmm. Welker. We're also going to be joined in a bit by Coach Kevin McNutt, who is parking his incredibly huge Cadillac 1978 convertible. But in the studio, we have NFL writer, Sporting News, former columnist for the Baltimore Sun, author of Silent Gesture, the autobiography, brilliant autobiography of Tommy Smith. Such a privilege to have him here. David Steele. How are you doing, Mr. Steele? I am doing great. Apparently, what, today is NFL Christmas? Isn't that what they call it? I think that's what they call it. <laughs> today, to, I mean, it, it's almost like... Like like secular <laughs> holiday that brings people together, but also tears people apart. I mean, it's the yeah. most bizarre. Literally, in a lot of cases. Yes, <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> it's the day to bring a nation together to watch us watch people tear themselves apart. Metaphor? No, 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 that ain't no metaphor. Yeah, that's well, real. That's real. mad Unfortunately. literal. <laughs> I mean. I mean, yes, we're not talking about discarded limbs, but we are talking Yet. about people tearing themselves apart. But we're going to talk about the soap opera, the soap opera, the Sopra, that is the National Football League uh, and the entire season right after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin will return after this. 
Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by Mean Mark Barry, joined by David Steele, Coach Kevin McNutt, coming up the stairs as we speak, will join us in just a bit. Look, before we say anything about predictions for this National Football League season, let's face it, this is a year-round soap opera. And there are so many stories in the soap opera hopper, so to speak. You like that phrase, the soap opera hopper? <laughs> the soap hopper? Soap opera. The soap hopper. Hopper. Like when they did that thing with Beyonce, the hip hopper. The hip hopper. So we are going to figure this out. And we're going to talk about some of the recent. So first of all, the biggest soap opera that has to do with the National Football League is the whole existential question which Roger Goodell is very conscious of, which is at what rate is the National Football League bleeding fans because of the controversies that take place on and off the field, basically head injuries, violence against women, everything that comes out that has a a new generation of people saying, gee, maybe this isn't the best activity for my kids. It's all Goodell was talking about this morning on the radio. I mean, so obviously this is very real. So I'll ask you first, David Steele, where do you think that is right now? And frankly, where is it with you as an individual? I know you have to follow it for work. I get the feeling you would also follow it, even if you were a, you know, an industrial engineer. So, so, but where are you in terms of the National Football League pushing you away, and where do you think the country is at this point? You know, you, you made a great point in the uh, opener about how addictive football is at every level, but particularly in the NFL. I mean, we could probably spend this entire morning, most of the afternoon, well into the evening, talking about just the things that offend us about what the, the more we know, the more we watch, the more we hear what's going on behind the scenes. It's not even behind the scenes. It's right there on the surface now. Yeah. And yet when— In I, this media environment, oh, everything's on the surface. Everything is on. You, 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 there, there's nothing that can be missed now. Mm-hmm. It's impossible, even if we'd like to. But, you know, those days are past now. It's mm-hmm. over. We can't go back. We can't put that genie back in the bottle. It's it's all out there for everybody to absorb and deal with and understand. And that in general, in society in general, that that's a good thing. Now you know what you, what you know instead of not knowing what you what you don't know. The question is, in America, do we want to know how the sausages are made or are we too busy killing the messengers every time they come forward and say, hey, wait a minute, this is corrosive, this is wrong, this hurts us. I certainly see that around the Washington football team question. You point out that, gee, you know, the guy who named the team was a white supremacist and all these tribal councils have come out against it. And the response by people is to be like, PC thug! You know, and you're just like, I'm just talking facts. It's truth. Truth makes people mad in this country. Yeah, Big yeah, shock. Yeah, yeah. Mean Mark, where are you on your... Per- Unlike David, yes. you are not a grizzled pro covering this sport. You are more <laughs> of a huge fan. I am. So the question is, so that's really the question is more directly at you. Uh-huh. Where are you on the whole, how much is this pushing me away? How much does this attract me? I mean, it's definitely pushing away me on a, like on a visceral level. Every single small thing, whether it's the domestic violence, whether it's head injuries, whether it's thing like this, I don't think it's going enough for me or the average fan to push us away from the spectacle that is the NFL. I think when you're talking about the actual uh, problem that the NFL has in its future is what what you were talking about, Goodell earlier at talking about youth football, talking yep. about heads up, play sixty. That's what the problem for for the professional sport of football is in the future. If all of these problems now are leading parents to tell their children to not play. Play football and do another thing, 
it can't keep up the spectacle that it is in the future. And that's the thing about the NFL, because as big as it is, it's a $10 billion a year industry, the biggest in sports. Its biggest existential problem, number one, is that in a global world, it is a national pastime. And so places like sports like baseball and basketball, I mean, the inner cities of this country can become overrun by gentrification. Kids left to fend for, either fend for themselves or play video games in their homes. And there will be a pool of talent internationally to play mm. basketball and play uh, and play baseball. Mm. There is no international pool to play football. It has to be homegrown. And similarly, the fan base of the NFL is going to have to be national, and that means women fans, if they're going to grow the sport, that's why they trust players in pink, which a lot of women I know find insanely condescending, and that's also why I think you had the about face on domestic violence, Mm -hmm. that it was much more of a PR crisis than a moral crisis. What were your thoughts about that, David? It exactly was. It was was Roger Goodell putting his finger to the wind, uh, as as he has done from from, from time to time, and really paying attention to to which way it was blowing instead of saying, you know what, no matter what we do, we're going to have our followers, we're going to have our core, we're going to have our base. There was a real shift this time around because he could not say that this time because there were people who were really going to bail and probably already are bailing and may never come back yeah. on, this, on, on this sport after what happened this, uh, this summer. And it's been, a, it's been a gradual thing, but there are certain flashpoints, there are certain tipping points, and that entire thing surrounding Ray Rice, not even just when the actual punishment was announced, just the entire winter and spring and summer of it, because it took forever. People were asking that question all year through the uh, throughout the entire off season. Now you covered the Ravens. Uh, yeah. One of the big critiques of this whole thing was the way the Ravens handled it. Oof. As someone who's covered the Ravens very closely, did that surprise you? The Ravens doing the—I I couldn't believe they did this. Like it was literally like watching. I don't. I want to say like a farce, a black comedy, a a train wreck. Like the idea of putting Janae and Ray Rice together, the Ravens live tweeting it, live tweeting her taking responsibility for what took place. Like I, in real time, I was like, is this really happening or is this the Onion Sports? It was. A, it was. A, it was like a tutorial for every professional sports league team PR business on how not to handle something like that. And yet it looked like the Ravens learned nothing because as yeah. you might have seen a couple months later one of the, their their lead PR person wrote that yeah. inc- I don't I can't remember I his love, name. I love Ray Rice or I yeah, like his, Ray his, Rice. His I like Ray Rice column. Did you mm-hmm. see that one Mark? The yeah. I like yeah. Ray Rice column. Yeah. I mean yeah. that was really something. So so Mark, I just I got to ask your thoughts about like like the way the Ravens handled that makes you wonder if the NFL even really gets it. Yeah, I, th- I think they do. I think that coming out against domestic violence with the new kind of guidelines that Goodell came out with, you're seeing it re- repeat itself with this Ray McDonald thing for the uh, for the 49ers. You have these reports, you have this these serious allegations, and you have both Harbaugh, uh, McDonald, and the league saying, we're going to wait and see what all the facts are. We're not taking any kind of uh, action, and McDonald says he's a good guy, so we're not sure about it at this point. But then there's this other question that's raised by it, certainly in the wake of Labor Day, very appropriate, is how much power do we really think the NFL should have over people's personal lives? I mean, we do have a legal system in this country. And in this, in domestic violence, it gets particularly tricky because this is what ESPN reported that the league said, that if it's adjudicated and the charges are dropped, they won't punish players. Well, in a lot of states, not in every state, it varies state to state, if you write a check to the person who is abused and they choose not to swear out charges then, there's no case. Mm-hmm. 
Like in some states, they'll do they'll bring you to trial anyway, and they'll subpoena the person who originally called the cops. But you know that that just is another way, and that creates all sorts of other issues where. You know, I guarantee you're going to hear more stories about, oh, be careful for these women who are going to fake abuse charges. I guarantee you, oh. you'll be hearing about that kind of stuff, yeah. about, and which creates only more oppositional relationships between men and women. And guarantee you, you're not going to hear anything about the NFL talking about the role that head injuries might play in creating atmospheres of violence in the home. It's like I wrote, their, their slogan seems to be, hate the player, don't hate the game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Think, think of it, it hasn't even been two full years. It'll be two full years this December when an NFL player killed his girlfriend and yes. then killed himself. Alcohol was involved. Uh, there was, you know, there's, there's a high likelihood that some sort of head injury was involved. Yeah. You know, where have we gone from then until now with this league? How, how has the league handled it? I mean, Goodell. It seems as if he's like, as if he's just sort of making this up as we go along. And let's remember again when he first came in, eight nine years ago, he was the law and order commissioner. Yeah, he was going to clean up the sport. And, and by the way, there's no record that there's any connection between the personal conduct policy and anything that's changed right. in the sport. You know, I hate to sound profoundly cynical, but I actually I, I wouldn't say this if I didn't think it was true. I think nothing happened after Javon Belcher killed Cassandra Perkins and then took his own life, and there was outrage about Ray Rice because Ray Rice was off season and Javon Belcher was during the season. Really? Like you? you wow! Can never, you can never. I mean, I, I, I'd argue name recognition, honestly, but no, 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 not not when you have somebody take their own life yeah, in front of because name recognition is also Romeo Cornell. Ramio, uh, name Scott recognition Pioli. is also Scott, Scott Pioli, Pioli. Yeah. and that was all part of that story. Hey, this is Edge of Sports Radio. we got to go to break right now, and we're going to talk about a far more amusing scandal, and that's Wes Welker and Molly. One, two, Don't one, two, move. Three, Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here in Ninja Sports Radio. We got the coach in the house. Kevin McNutt, coach. Better late than never. <laughs> What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on? Let the expert roll. Plus, he's got a voice almost as good as mine, so let him talk. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, look, we were talking about the soap opera that is the NFL. We talked about the more serious side of it in the last segment. Now, let's talk about just some of the stories that have popped up. And when I say popped, I'm talking about popping mollies with Wes Welker behaving like a 16-year-old raver. Wait, you're telling me that unless he was under the influence of drugs, he wouldn't just be handing out $100 bills? I don't know. We're wearing that suit. I mean, my I feel like that, that's an everyday thing for Wes Welker, though. Yes. Yeah. For people who don't know the story, Wes Welker, uh, he's you know, guy, he's got a million career catches playing for the Patriots. Now he's with the Broncos. He's had a concussion issues. He's now wearing a helmet roughly the size of Dark Helmet from uh, from Spaceballs. <laughs> Spaceballs. Yeah. I mean, oh, the Spaceballs reference. He's got reference. the Spaceballs helmet <laughs> uh, looking like Rick Moranis. And I just want to get, give like – and, you know, he denies that he was popping mollies. He's saying maybe something was slipped in his drink. They're saying it's amphetamines. That's performance enhancing for games. He's going to end up losing more money than Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, for driving around with a laundry bag full of pills and cash. Yeah, that's not fishy. Um, String of Ursay. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) This this is um, my little take, my my, my hot take or lukewarm take. take. I think the Wes Welker reaction has been really interesting because it's almost like the rough part or the the rough side of white privilege. I'm being serious about this. Let me me explain this. Okay. Because – 
most NFL players, 70% are African-American, but whether you're African-American or not, most NFL players are, you know, 6'3", 240, fast, insanely athletic, blah, blah, blah. In other words, most people could never imagine being them. Most of the audience, which is majority white, could never imagine being them. But less about race and just more about physical ability. Here's Wes Welker, the scrappy white guy. Here's Wes Welker, who please is 5'9 if he's wearing heels. They call him 5'9. Here's Wes Welker, who's 150 pounds soaking wet. He's the guy who fans can be like, that's me. I'm talking about white fans can be like, that's me. And so while most players, and I'm talking about, you know, African-American player, 300 pounds, six foot five. When they get busted for the performance dancing stuff, the reaction by fans, and when I say fans, keep in mind I'm talking about majority white fans in a, in a patriarchal, white, privileged culture, uh, which gets adopted by people sometimes of all ethnic backgrounds. So that's like the matrix that's looking at this. Most fans say, you know, it's a gladiator sport. You know, these players have to be animals to survive. And if you are going to take these kinds of, and all the, the racist tropes that go with that. And, and if you have to take those drugs to survive, then so be it. But with Wes Welker, people are acting like it's Shoeless Joe Jackson through the Super, through, through the Super Bowl, man. I mean, it's, it's like people like Pete Rose, people are like, Wes Welker, how could you? I mean, I, the reaction, that's why I'm saying it's like flip side of white privilege. Wes Welker has benefited from that throughout his career, scrappy and all that stuff. And now he's getting like the bitter fruits of that because people believed in him the way they don't believe in typical NFL players. He's every man, and, and and again, it's a comfort zone and a stereotype. A brother got popped, uh, that's expectation, that's what they do, that's where they came from. So now when it's Wes Welker, Wes, Wes Welker, again, talented white guy, but he's every man, six-foot ordinary size. Six oh, my foot. goodness. <laughs> hey, look, it, it, happened, it happened in golf with um, – I'm forgetting the gentleman's name right now, but he, uh, uh, not Zach Johnson. No, 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 no. Zach Johnson. Dustin, uh, Dustin, Johnson. Dustin Johnson. You know, yeah. all of a sudden, man, that that blew it out of the world, and I'm and I'm laughing mm-hmm. because you guys are insane to think that just because you know uh, they're golfers and this is the white elite sport that they don't have their vices too. Oh, and you know what not. I mean? And, it's yeah. So, yeah, and I'm like, tickled like by Like they're it. not competitive people playing for millions of yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, and, and, then, and, and then and women and the same thing. <laughs> yeah, every yeah. other Hey, it's yeah, it's a multi-billion-dollar sport, just like the one where that is starting up tonight. The exact same thing. Exactly. No doubt. I mean, oh. David Steele, what do you? Th- what is? What, I mean, do, first of all, hey. do you think just because because you do this as a reporter, am I reading that right? Do you think the reaction? Like, I feel like there's a level of like devastation. About Wes Welker that you do not see. Think of think of almost a year ago to the day another NFL player got got suspended for supposed u- using mollies and du- and ducking around the uh, the uh, the drug policies on the same team. Von Miller. Mm. Mm. Did anybody react to that the same way that they reacted to to Wes Welker? Not even close. Wow. Yeah, it was like, oh look, he's just you know what you know he's just I can't believe he did that expectation. Like, yeah, he's a brother. Know, and, That's and you typical know, for the brother. Mm-hmm. But, and, but you yeah, know, one of the great, now we see why he you know. <laughs> and one of the great ironies, I suppose, of that is that for people who know anything about these gentlemen beneath the surface, Wes Welker, God bless him, is a is a dumb as a post Texan, and Von Miller 
is smart and studious as hell. He was the rookie who was part of the lawsuit in 2011 with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, specifically chosen by the NFLPA because he did have the ability to step up to a microphone and explain in detail and with alacrity why it was important for him to be part of this lawsuit. And yet for Von Miller, it's black, big muscled, what do you expect? For Wes Welker, they act like they just found out Stephen Hawking is taking brain pills or something. It's like, how could he? So that's my, my quick take on that. Quick take on Wes Welker. The other big drama from this week, Michael Sam, Dallas Cowboys. First question, I got to ask you, David Steele. Did you think after the Rams didn't sign Sam to the practice squad and after that initial period went by where he wasn't being signed – did you think he was CFL bound, or did you think he would find a home? I thought he'd be CFL bound. I think I think that teams make these decisions pretty quickly. These yes. things come together really, really fast. They know what's going on. It's the same process as signing players right after the draft. Mm-hmm. The undrafted guys snap them up, bring them in, get them on, under contract. You know these guys, and now you've had an entire preseason. You know you you know these guys. So all these teams, they've seen him all summer. They they know they they got it. They came up with just. At least thirty-one of the teams came, or thirty of them, excluding the Rams, came up with these just brilliant excuses. You know, of course, didn't they never want to put their names on it. Of course, right? All had. anonymous, always anonymous, anonymous GM, scout, coach, somebody like that. Always had a reason. This is why. Oh well, it's you know he, the, the, the funniest ones I was hearing was that oh he's he's not well-rounded enough. He's not multi-dimensional enough. It's like it's the practice squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not finding you know, you're not putting Lawrence Taylor on the practice squad. Here. I mean, we're talking about guys. I mean, it's that's why it's called a practice squad. Right. It's like, is he a good enough guy to keep around, to groom, to work, to 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 practice, to 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 get better, to just run up against you guys and throw himself into it, which is all he did all preseason long. Yeah. You know, and I, I think people broke it down. It's like every seven every seventh round pick either made the roster or a practice squad you know, right. immediately. Right. You know, days and days went by. He wasn't. He wasn't getting signed. Yeah, I'm confused. What are you guys saying? What are you guys trying to say? Well, what trying to say, I think, is that there's, and you saw this in a lot of the news reports, is that there was definitely a league-wide wariness about whether Michael Sam would be worth, and this was the words that was used. It's a word I reject. The distraction of bringing him into camp, and that the the amount of blind quotes that came out about it certainly seemed to form a consensus. Now, the thing about it that was so shocking is that talking about Michael Sam as a distraction, the same week we're talking about domestic violence, the same week Dan Snyder's going on national television to defend a racist name. You're just like, what is a distraction here? And right. and as far as Michael Sam goes, that guy has been head down playing football all summer. The only quote-unquote distraction that he engendered what happened when ESPN did that one report, and that had nothing to do with him whatsoever. Mark, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, and Mark, let me ask you this, though. I mean, just to sure. extend the discussion. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Dallas as a landing spot for Sam? Because I think it's a double-edged sword, and I'm curious what you think. That's fair. I think the the, the entire experience of him languishing there, trying to find a spot in the practice squad, was worse than the draft process, worse than all these sorts of things with the specter of distraction as veiled homophobia and all these sorts of things. I, I was disgusted by it. I was sure he wasn't going to find a spot on the roster. Now that he has found one in Dallas... I, in terms of the media spectacle, he will be more of a spectacle than anything. It's going to be calling for him to come out there and play. But in in a team option, he he could be the pa- best pass rusher on that team this year. 
He mm. absolutely could. George Selvey, which is insane. Exa- George Selvey yeah. is their lead- leading pass rusher with two sacks last year. He could be <sighs> off the practice squad by week three and their leading sack uh, sack artist this entire year, which is good and bad. But I think it's good to get him out there. Yeah, it's good because he'll won't spend too much time on the practice squad. The when I said double edged sword though. There were reports yesterday, they were later debunked, that Dallas was going to sell special <laughs> practice squad jerseys. With a random number, 46. No, no, yeah, yeah, with the number yeah. 46 to commemorate when the NFL was uh, integrated, as well as Jackie Robinson's mm-hmm. integration. Michael Sam had nothing to do with either picking the number. He did not a- That's what I mean about like who's the distraction here. He did not ask for practice squad jerseys at all. They quickly came forward and said that's a mistaken report. My sources said to me is that it wasn't a mistaken report. They did it, felt the wind, backlash, and then immediately said, no, we're not doing that. That's the fear with Dallas because we know from 25 years' experience that Jerry Jones is more interested in a carnival than fielding an NFL team, yeah. in my opinion. It's, it's, better, it, it's better to watch something like that than to watch the team this year. Yes. I mean, you see what's going on out there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how, how bad are the Cowboys going to be this year? I like and, their offense. That's it, about it. Oh, and, yeah. and as we go to break, let me just ask you this. Given the poo-poo platter that is the NFC East, because I think the Giants are going to go 3-13, and 13, real quick to David Steele, who do you like winning that division? If the Eagles don't win that division, they need to fire Chip Kelly, the entire front office, probably the owners, some couple of vendors, cheerleaders, a whole bunch. Because <laughs> I think I think the five. Just need to stop studio, football in Philadelphia. <laughs> just we could go down this hallway in the studio right now, find eleven guys that should be able to finish ahead of the other three teams in that division. Yeah, I, I really think like if it's not the Eagles, I, I, you don't even know what to say. I mean, really. I mean, un- unless you think that Deshaun Jackson is Jerry Rice, which. I don't. <laughs> then you're in a lot. Of, Mark, are you with that? It's, it's Eagles, right? He, 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 he was waiting this long to, to turn into Jerry Rice. Yeah, I'm just waiting. No, yeah. it's just it's, wait. Hey, it's, speaking it's of predictions, that was just to whet people's appetite. Come back after this, and you're going to find out who's going to the Super Bowl, who the MVPs are, and uh, what coach is wearing as a cologne, which is kind of strong. We'll be back right I like it. This. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. The Jungle Creed says the strongest feed on any prey they can. And I was branded beast at every feast before I ever became a man. Boom! We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio. That was a little bit of a little bit of deep cover soul, Lawrence Fishburne, off the top of the noggin, just to get us ready for the National Football League. Kill or be killed. Toxic citadel of poisoned masculinity in full effect. And now we have our predictions. All right, just running through this. We're going to run through this very quickly, and then if we have time to discuss, we shall. David Steele, you know more than everybody else in the room. Who do you have? Oh. Mark Barry hates that I said that. Who do you have? <laughs> who do you have? In I, can't, the, I can't say no to that. Who, who do you have in the Super Bowl? Who do, what's prediction? <laughs> Super Bowl prediction. Who do you like and why? The, the defending champion Seattle Seahawks mm-hmm. against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. I like that. You like, you, I, you, like, you like that Colts pick? I, I yeah, was I tempted to make it a bunch there are reasons why I'm not. I just uh, I find like a surprising number of people who are just kind of like overlooking them, and I'm not really sure is it, why. It's, it's Trent Richardson. That, that's Trent, why. I was just about you know? to say it's Trent it's... Richardson. <laughs> Man, the last time 
that guy hit multiple holes. It was something leaked nope. to the internet. Nope. Okay. Nope. Okay. Sorry. Nope. Stop. Oh, sorry. Stop. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. All right. Me and Mark Barry. Not only do I ask you who you have going to the Super Bowl, because I know you're making a little switch, but if there's anything else you want to switch from last week's predictions, you can do that since it's not Thursday night. It's true. It's not Thursday night. Well, in uh, in preparation of this Thursday night game, which is amazing, uh, you know, toxic citadel of masculinity, all these sorts of things. I, I think that we have not seen the Seahawks' best football yet. I think the Seahawks are winning the Super Bowl, and they are going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. That's happening. Wow. That's right. Very interesting. A Lombardi Very interesting. trophy for Mike Brown. That's what you're, that's what you're saying. Oh, no, no. Cincinnati, yeah. <laughs> They're not winning. They will not win it. But, but yeah. Okay, but a week of Mike Brown at the Super Bowl. I got to tell you, I, I'm reading Jim. Have you ever read Jim Brown's book from like 1963 yeah. um, mm-hmm. off of my chest? We wrote with Myron mm-hmm. Cope. There's this great description of like literally like 22-year-old Mike Brown like his dad constantly being like not giving him any responsibility whatsoever. <laughs> Paul Brown, it was, it's hilarious. He's like, "All right, guys, time to line up for the bus." And Paul Brown being like, "Be quiet, Mike. Time to line up for the bus." <laughs> Same coach, gene coach, we got in the Super Bowl and any changes? I protest this segment. This is ridiculous. Why? This shows that you guys are clearly non-athletes have never played the game. What? How this? You guys want to do over? You guys have missed the shot, missed free throws, and you're stopping the game to miss green. It doesn't matter. You made your predictions last week. You you, you stood by them, tall and strong, told the nation, and now you want to do over. You missed the you missed the layup, so now you're calling time. How do we miss any layups? The the, the opening horn is not sounded. I am standing by what I said. New England, Green Bay, Green Bay the winner. This is see this. I tell you, man, you guys you guys are pathetic. I want to do over. You're still wrong. It's fine. I'm gone. Jeez, strong stance. If it wasn't my brother David being here, I would have left the show entirely. This is this this is a high board gimmick thing. Ridiculous. Okay. Um, gee. Did I tell uh, you guys? Yeah. In, in, on that note, uh, my prediction stands. Ooh, he just stormed out. No, I just kidding. He didn't just storm out. <laughs> I'm public, loud, and, and plus, proud. This is off that comment you made before the last break. I'm oh. really hot. All right. I, I, I said I would Obviously. say what cologne you were wearing. I think it's beautiful. Um, I, I think I just think it, it, it's a lovely. You have a, you have a lovely musk. Um, <laughs> You're great, uh, Dave. Yes. Let me just say though, I hope it's cologne. I'm I'm, I'm starting to worry. It's uh, it's it's Jolly Ranchers and Speed Stick. But um, but go but going ahead. Which nicely all the, done. Nicely done. Yeah, thank you. That's a good nose I, I res- right there. I respect the good oh, one. That's Fifty percent of the time, good. it works every time. Okay. I may I may storm out after that one. Oh man. Jolly Ranchers and, and, and ooh, that ooh that's a, there's a sense. I respect a good one. Hey, uh, when I was in high school, it was Dracar Noir and Old English a little bit behind each year. Okay, so I am sticking with uh, Bengals and Bears. I am uh, jumping back on a pretty terrible prediction I made a week ago just because, I mean, since Ray McDonald and what we're seeing coming out of San Francisco, I don't like what I'm seeing. I'm, I, I'm ready to go with the folks who are saying they're not going to make the playoffs. I like Seattle kicking all kinds of butt, mm-hmm. and Seattle winning that division and making the playoffs. I still like the Rams uh, sneaking in with Sean Hill being an incredible story. No. And um, I know. That's Stick it. with it. You're brave. And, and and you know what? I also I, I like the Bucks as a surprise team as like well. Them. I'm not yep. saying playoffs. I like them. And that gets to my next point, which is awards. My coach of the year this year, it usually goes to a coach who engineers a turnaround of some sort. Lovey Smith will be coach of the year with the yeah. Bucks. 
That's my prediction. The MVP this year will be Russell Wilson, who they're going to ask to throw a lot more than a year ago, and there's going to still be all this residual Russell Wilson love. Offensive player of the year, it's going to be Andrew Luck, who is going to be an absolute monster. So they'll do that weird split thing like what they did with Rodgers and Breeze, um, you might remember. My um, offensive rookie of the year uh, is going to be, well, let's go defensive um, play, no, I'm sorry. Defensive Player of the Year first is a uh, Burr effect. The um, interesting the okay. linebacker. Yep, former seventh round bust. Yes, and uh, my defensive player of the year is Burr effect. That's right. Now, uh, as far as the offensive rookie of the year is going to be Brandon Cooks, and uh, for for the Saints is going to I think run rough shot. They're going to use him right away. And defensive rookie of the year I think without question is going to be Jadavian Clowney who. When he shows up and just expresses himself, it's just, I mean, there's going to be like a sort of a weekly zomga. <laughs> like when, like, you know what I'm saying? Like like when, when Tim Tebow was on his six-game run and everybody was like, what did Tebow do that week? Just because they wanted to see it for the spectacle. I think Clowney is going to be a spectacle on that field. A freak. Absolutely. How about you? What are your, any of your picks on these? Oh, wow. Not that, that's not too, that's, that's a MVP. Good, that's I'll just roll it off to you. MVP. MVP. Who do you like? Aaron Rodgers. Nice. I got a feeling Aaron Rodgers is just going to go nuts. This year, offensive player of the year. Player. I agree with you on that, though. Yeah. Offensive player. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with uh, Rogers on that as well. Wow, they'll give the double. Very mm-hmm. rare they, they do the, the double. double. Yeah, Defensive player of the year. Clowny. Cl- oh wow. <laughs> Defensive player of the year. Or rookie right. of the year. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I misheard. Totally yeah. misheard that. No, my defensive player of the year, Richard Sherman. Wow. He's going he's gonna to lock it up. He's going to have a huge, huge, huge year in After Seattle. the big contract, which some people After say leads to letdowns of sorts. I think he's a different, different kind of guy. Wow. And I think we've also seen that. Yes, oh, on, so. on numerous fronts. Yeah. Uh, and corners rookie. don't get that award enough, so I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there on that. Good for you. Yeah. Offensive uh, Rookie of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, yeah, Brandon I think Cooks. I, think I called Cooks. you. I, think I, called, I, I told you that a little bit before the show. Blake Bortles is going to get that starting job before too much longer, probably before October. Before October even starts, he's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Jaguars are becoming boutiquey too. I picked them last week, fun. by the way. You're I know all, you're still wrong. You led the trend. <laughs> yeah, he has the Jaguars going to the playoffs, yeah. yes, mm. which, is, which is brave and bizarre. Yeah. And and you got Clowney for defense. Yeah, Clowney's defense rookie of the year. Roy, right? And my coach of the year. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then my favorite guy. And it's really weird how many people are not are not getting on this guy. And I've I've written about him really well and ranked him really high in, in my sporting news ranking of coaches, Chuck Pagano of the Colts. Okay. I'm a big I'm a big Pagano guy. There you mm. go. There you go. And, and how can people read your columns at the Sporting News? How they, they just got to search yeah, just go to, uh, d- yeah, yeah, www.sportingnews.com. You can find my they can find me on the page and in the archive. I'm David so glad. Steele. I'm so glad you work for them. I really am. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So go straight to you, Mr. Mean Mark. Who you All right. like? Okay, MVP. you run me down. Roll it, roll it quick. MVP, uh, Jay Cutler. If they make the play, if they advance in the playoffs, it's because he does well. I know, but they do the voting before the playoffs. Otherwise, I'd have Cutler too. I mean, he if if they have twelve or thirteen wins, then he he wins it. Okay, yeah. uh, off- I love the pick. Uh, offensive player of the year, Breeze. Breeze is going to touch Manning numbers this year. Wow, uh, Depoy. Uh, I think it's going to be Von Miller. Von Miller puts up a Robert Mathis amount of sta- sacks this year. Wow. All right. Offensive rookie of the year. You Brandon Cooks with me? I think that once Macklin goes down about halfway through week one, I think Jordan <laughs> Matthews ends up being pretty damn good on that on the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I think he could be Keenan Allen esque. Yeah, absolutely. And your defensive rookie of the year. Justin Gilbert for the oh. Cleveland Browns. Uh Joe Hayden locking down the number one wide receiver. You're gonna have a lot of targets towards Gilbert at number two. You can get a lot of picks. A rookie corner. I would I wish we could look that up. I bet the no rookie corner has ever won. 
that award. I would be, I, I'm confidently saying that. It's too hard to do. Yeah. yeah. It's just too damn hard. Okay, coach, uh, MVP. Uh, I'm protesting this segment, so all I have. Why? Is, uh, <laughs> you didn't predict this last year. Well, well, one because I got here late and I haven't done my research. Stalling tactic. MVP. Oh, M- coach of the year, Mark. Who you like, coach of the year? I like Gus Bradley with the the Jaguars. About eight wins. Nice. All Turn right, go for it. Hey, 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 Dave, check Lim Barney. Okay. You know, didn't he do it as a cornerback? I don't know if he had the award then. Hmm. Okay. That's why I only. Charles think. Woodson was the last secondary player to I was win. Say Woodson, but and he, mm. he and he was safety though, right? Dude, or was he doing lockdown? I, yeah, I, I just said se- second time, secondary yeah. play. That's a lot. Okay. I haven't gotten yeah. far. I, I, I remember when Lynn Barney came into the league. He was a terror as, as a cornerback. Oh, so was Night yeah. Train Lane. But, yeah, but I mean, Lynn Barney before that. Night, I mean, mm-hmm. Night, Train Lane, Night Train Lane's games weren't even on TV then. I know. <laughs> I know you remember them well. <laughs> I'll see you. <laughs> they, would, they would do the smoke signals from the neighboring hill, and you would be like, wow, Lane has an interception. <laughs> don't, don't laugh. Those don't were laugh. good times. David, don't laugh. It only encourages them. <laughs> You know, anyway, anyway, Rogers MVP, on a McCarthy cup. Coach of the Year. I'm out of this segment. I'm, I'm protesting it. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. All right, all right, fair enough. But you know what, Coach? You, you were the first person I heard say Jaguars, and then I started seeing it all over the internet. So props to you for starting what has become a national wildfire. I also said Minnesota. Yeah, you did say Minnesota. That's yeah, bizarre to me because to me they're the fourth best team in a tough division. I don't. I mean, what do you think about David, that? David, David, the, David how, many te- how many teams, isn't there always a fourth to first every year? Every At year. At least one, right? It's been, I think we're on a streak of something like 11 or 12 years Okay, in a row. that's right. Minnesota was fourth, as yeah. was um, Jacksonville, obviously. Which was, uh, which was interesting, because I've been asked that a few times. Who's the, wor- who's the worst to first pick for this year? And who do you Somebody's think? Somebody's going to do it. If it had to be someone, pretend you're not picking a worst to first, I can yeah, already tell that. But one. if you had to pick <laughs> someone, who would it be? Houston Texans. Wow. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. That's you know they were actually fourth, weren't they? And Jacksonville was a third. Yeah, Jacksonville was right. third. Okay, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Of course, because mm-hmm. they clowned as the number one pick. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, oh my! Thank you so much to Dan Baker. The la- there was a cornerback who was defensive rookie of the year, and mm-hmm. it's a great name too. Someone make, make, who oh, make it into a quiz, Dave. All right, if he had fulfilled his potential, he'd be a Hall of Famer. He did not. Um, that cancels a few guys. So that yeah. cancels a few guys out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, all right, so it's 1990, all right, early 90s. There's a pick. Early 90s. AFC. 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 Red uniforms. It's got to be. Oh. Uh, Get it, David. Albert Lewis? No, no. but oh! you're on the right team. I do. I do. I do. It was one of those guys. I know who it is now. Hey, do you want to wait? You guys going to, yeah, you guys jump on it. Go for it. I'm, no, no, I'm David Steele, it's your show, know. buddy. Deron Cherry. No, it's not Deron Cherry. Oh, my oh, God. No, no. You're too, now you're getting <laughs> just, too old, though. I'm just, I'm just whiffing guys. No, 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 no. Much more talented than Albert Lewis or oh. Deron Cherry. Red, Much more red talented. Red uniform. You said red uniform? Red, yes, yeah, and it's the right team. Much more talented than those guys. Like, insane. Dion Talent did not fulfill potential. Dale Carter. Whoa! There's an oh, yeah. Am Dale I overstating Carter. his potential? Well, How should, good right. was Dale he Carter? Been phenomenal. Yes. Out of LSU, if I'm, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he had a little tiny bit of a of, of, of a finishing act with the Ravens. Yeah, years yeah. Ago. Didn't it? There was. was I, there, I thought it was on the Washington football team too. Might, they might have been in. there as well. Yeah, he Washington was, football. Because it was. He was hanging. He was hanging on. But yeah. He did not. Yeah, he should have mm-hmm. been. You're right. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It wasn't yeah. LSU. It was Tennessee. Wow. Tomato, SEC, mm-hmm. SEC boy. Yeah, yeah, he was a Tennessee yeah. guy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carter, but Dale Carter, I mean, yeah. ha- and had red it's flags phenomenal. at Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Uh, red flags as a pro. I mean, it, it really is something like that issue. I mean, it was one of the things that came up around Michael Sam, like where people were like, there's no place for him or how long he'll last. I mean, one thing that some people said 
was there's no place for so many people. <laughs> and so it's always, I mean, unlike any other sport, it is yeah. like a, it can be such a week to week job. Like you go back and look at old drafts, you look at who was praised, who was prized, who looked good, and it really is stunning. I mean, it reminds me of like the Sopranos episode where they were talking about backs and they say, when it comes to backs, nobody really knows nothing. It's the same with this sport. But you know what? We have one more segment after this, and I'm really glad about that because I want to get to another NFL issue which needs to be discussed. We're going to talk about it right after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Do you remember all those times in September? <laughs> He's already off the road. Um, I, oh, man. You hear me sing this song? You'll be no, singing no, a song no. by Green Day called Wake Me Up When September Ends. Oh, because okay. I, I'm We're singing good. is not We're my good. strong suit. But, but yo. <laughs> Yeah, I really do want to want to end this end the show by speaking a little bit about the recent debate on outside the lines regarding the Washington name change. But before I do, there, there's a couple things I really do want to get to. I mean, first and foremost, uh, just to finish up the last segment, uh, Dan Baker, who's been terrific producing this show, he also wants a couple do overs from his picks, and I just feel like I gotta just got to do over. I, I said the Bills for the wild card spot in the AFC, the second one aside from the Chargers. Yeah, probably. And I'm changing that to uh, the Colts. So, David Steele, people might not know that you were a longtime columnist for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I got to ask you what your thoughts are about um, the Ray Lewis statue. I'm very interested in see how that's going to turn out because, uh, you, you know, the, on the surface, do you, you think Baltimore just adores Ray Lewis? Mm-hmm. That he's like the face of the franchise, the face of the return of uh, the NFL to Baltimore? Probably an equal amount. Despise him for 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 all those same reasons. You know they don't wow. like they don't like who he is. They don't like that he represents. You think there's a, a lot of Baltimore that doesn't like Ray Lewis. I think there I think there still is. Honestly, I think wow. it's going to be a very controversial uh, and and long debated. You know, it's not going to be a universal thing the way it was for Unitas and Frank Robinson and Brooks Robinson and all the other Eddie Murray and Cal and all the other guys who have statues in and around that whole uh, that whole complex. He's still. He's polarizing. Even the, Ra- the even the Ravens are, are, are polarizing. It's, in a lot of cases, it's a g- generational thing because they're still the Colts people who are still hanging mm-hmm. on to everything, and they and they resent how the Ravens came to town because it's the same way that the, that the Colts left. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I don't think it's going to be as smooth a transition as uh, yep. you know to the to the Ray Lewis era of of Baltimore football history. Mm. As I think a lot of people would believe. Good to have that perspective. Yeah. The street hey, beat says the same thing. The street beat really does say that it's polarizing and it's not a 100% done deal. For, for, for Dan Baker, for all the folks here, I'm Dave Zirin. Follow us at Edge of Sports. We are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.